we're going to be looking at Matthew 22 in a moment. Um, we're going to look at verses 34 through 40 of Matthew uh, 22. <clears throat> we'll continue our series on lies that, lie, lies that we live by. Have you noticed how many lies are around us? Uh, how... Uh, um, People lie even when telling the truth would be easier, how lying became the culture that we live in. And often, the dangerous lies are not those that are plain, those that, well, this is a lie. The most dangerous lies are those that have some resemblance to uh, the truth. And one lie that is super popular in our culture, even in the church today, is that you should put yourself first. Um, put yourself first. Love yourself. Uh, you know, take time for yourself. Uh, nobody else will, will do that, so you need to invest in yourself. And there might be some resemblance to the truth there, but that's not really what the Scriptures teach. And this is not something that we are generally willing to say aloud. We often might be uh, influenced by uh, this idea let me give you two examples of two Christian bestsellers that made the New York bestseller list in the evangelical world. Uh, of uh, These are two women, so write, writing essentially for women. And this is what they say. So this is, this, is, this is not somebody out there. This is somebody who claims to be Christian, claims to be part of the evangelical church in the United States. And this is what she says. She says, we do not need more selfless women. What we need right now is more women who have detoxed themselves so completely from the world's expectations that they are full of nothing but themselves. What we need are women who are full of themselves. A woman who is full of herself knows and trusts herself enough to say and to do what must be done. She lets the rest burn. Now, it's, this is from a woman, but you find similar statements from men as well. So this is not... Uh, uh, you know, trying to pick on, on women here, but this is uh, a, a book that's sold hundreds of thousands of copies in the United States, uh, and that's the, the doctrine that is being taught. Put yourself first. Another one, another best-selling book. I'll abandon everyone else's expectations of me before I'll abandon myself. I'll disappoint everyone else before I'll disappoint myself. I'll forsake all others before I forsake myself. Me and myself, we are till death do us part. So this is, this is Christian literature. This is, in the United States, being considered Christian literature. Another way to express this lie that, we, that you should yourself, put yourself first is to say that you need to love yourself more. Uh, that, that's, also, that's the same kind of lie that the scriptures don't, don't teach. That's the kind of thing you'd hear Oprah say all the time. Now you first need to learn to love yourself before you can love others. It's, it's sound compassionate, sound wise, but it's a foolish lie that is in, contrary to the scriptures. And I want us to see tonight that Jesus taught the joy principle, not the yoge principle. Again, I'll try to explain that in just a second. And that's where Matthew 22 comes. Um, look at Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. 
You know what the context was? Um, Jesus had, had just you know, wiped the floor with the Sadducees in an argument. So the Pharisees thought it would be a good idea to challenge him. Hey, he just defeated our enemies. We're just going to challenge him as well. And the guy comes and asks them a question. In essence, he's asking him of the 600 plus commands of the law of God, which one is the most important? And the mindset was, hey, whatever Jesus says, somebody's going to be upset. Right? There's 600 of them plus. Everybody has their favorite. So whatever he answers, we can guarantee that somebody's going to be upset. And that's where uh, we pick there in verse 37. So in, in verse 36, the, the, the lawyer, the Pharisee, comes and asks, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Now, he's not trying to find the truth here. This guy, we read in another account that he's coming to try to catch Jesus at his words. Now, he's respectful. He calls him a teacher, which would have been rabbi, uh, likely a rabboni in the, uh, in, in the original language they were talking about. So he's, he showed respect, but he's trying to catch Jesus. Which one is the most important, the greatest of all commandments? And Jesus said in verse 37, You shall love, your, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your, your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And as you remember, Jesus modified. So this, these two are universal. So these are not commandments just for Christians. They are commandments for humans. Every human is commanded to love God with all their heart, their mind, their soul, and their strength. And every human is called to love other humans as they love themselves. When applying that second commandment to Christians, Jesus tweaked it and changed the standard. Remember? It's no longer love each other as yourself. It's love each other as what? As I have loved you, Jesus says, as Jesus has loved. So it's a little higher standard for Christian love than for just natural or general human love. So he summarized the whole Bible in these two commandments. Um, I don't know if you guys have file cabinets in your house. In our basement, we have a, a metal file cabinet with four drawers and all kinds of junk is inside of it. You know, um, It used to be all organized. And then now you find stuff, oh, what do we do with it? And now we kind of have to kick it closed because it's so, so. But if you're going to get a file cabinet to organize the Bible, you need one with two drawers. One that labeled love God, the other one labeled love neighbor. And you could fit the entire Bible in one of those two drawers because that's how Jesus organized here when he says, um, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets, or the totality of the revelation of, of God. And it's interesting then later on that Paul focuses on, Paul and John focus on this, and, says, and John specifically says, you cannot say that you love God if you don't love the people around you. If you, don't, you cannot love the people that you can touch and see and feel and smell and hear. You're not, you're not going to love the God who you can't see. So, in essence, it's one commandment, right? Love God by loving others. That's a command. But you notice what, God, what Jesus doesn't say? He doesn't say, and work on loving yourself. Now, some have found in the command, love your neighbor as yourself, 
a mandate for loving yourself. That Jesus is commanding you to love yourself so that you know how to love your neighbor. But I want you to notice that Jesus assumes that you already know how to love yourself. He assumes that this is something natural in us, how to love ourselves. So we don't need to work at that. It's something that we're already naturally good at. And notice in the order that Jesus gives, you have God first, or we can say Jesus first, then others, then a distant third, you have yourself, which spells joy. If you change the order, what do you have? You have yoj, which is just gibberish, right? It's no good there. And this idea is all over the Bible. The Apostle Paul mentioned it in passing that we don't need to work at loving ourselves because we're already pretty good at it. He used, it's interesting that in, in Ephesians 5, he mentions it in passing. The, his argument it was, husband, love your wife. And he says, look, you all know how to love yourself. You all know how to love your flesh. You don't beat up your flesh. You don't destroy your flesh. Not loving your wife is to be as dumb as not taking care of yourself. Well, the verse is right there. Yeah. He says, uh, For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord, Lord does the church. Remember what the golden rule is? What is the golden rule? Does anybody know? Exactly. That's exactly it. It's in Mandarin. Uh, but it is. In Matthew seven twelve is where we find the, the golden rule in the Bible. And it says, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Um, biblical critics, Bible critics, say that Jesus is ripping off old wisdom when he says this. Because Confucius, Confucius or Buddha or some of the Hindu and Greek philosophers have said something similar to this. Never mind that Leviticus 19, where the love your neighbor as yourself is way older than all these other things. But they say that Jesus is ripping off worldly uh, wisdom here when he says this here. But they miss the point. And this is a point that the Bible critic misses. Every extra biblical example of something similar to this is in the negative. Don't do unto others what you don't want them to do to you. And I said, well, it means the same thing. Well, does it? Can you, can you see how that can be, how they're very, very different? The, the positive, affirmative command, do to others what, you, what you'd like them to do to you, how different that is than don't do to others what they don't want you to do. How are they different? Lewis. Yeah, not even withdraw, just, just don't do anything, period, right? I mean, just, we, there's a world of difference between the affirmative and the negative. The negative statement doesn't require you to do anything, period. You can still put yourself first and simply avoid being a huge jerk to someone else, and you've accomplished the don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you.
But that wasn't good enough for Jesus. It is impossible to obey the golden rule here in Matthew 7, 12 and put yourself first at the same time. You either do this or you put yourself first. According to Jesus, you have to think of what you would do if you put yourself first and then go do that for somebody else. Does that make sense? So it's impossible to do this and put yourself first. Any questions or comments before we continue? Yes, Scott. Are you willing to tell us the author and books of those horrendous quotes from earlier? Yes, Glennon, Doyle, and Rachel Hollis. So those are the two names. Any other question or comment before we continue? Not putting yourself first is of the essence of being a disciple of Jesus. It, it, being a Christian is not putting yourself first. That, that you cannot define a Christian without that. For example, in Matthew 9, Mark 9, when Jesus is talking about discipleship, in verse 35 he says, And he sat down, that's Jesus, called the twelve and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be less of all and servant of all. He also said in Matthew 10, oh, he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Now, is taking up your cross the same as, as putting yourself first? What is Jesus, what's the picture that Jesus is painting when he says, take up your cross? Die. This, you know, we, we get used to this and there's some good symbolism for us, but the first century Christian walked in a... He, in here, he or she will be appalled that we have this symbol of death and torture in the front of our sanctuary. So to pick up your cross is not to just suffer or not to have a hard day or just to sacrifice something. It's to die. And that's not putting yourself first. In Matthew 16, 24 and 25, Jesus says, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You notice that he's not talking to some elite group. He's not just talking to the 12 disciples. He's not talking to those closer to him. Some, if anyone desires to follow me, what is it that he's supposed to do? What is it that he's supposed to do? Deny himself, deny herself, which is the opposite of putting yourself first. Paul often tells us to think of others ahead of ourselves. One of those, for example, just one of the examples is Philippians 2, 3, where it says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, which is the word for humility, let each esteem others better than himself. Which again is the opposite of putting yourself first. As a matter of fact, self-seeking is a sign of unbelief. I don't know if this might be too small to read, but um, I'm sorry, it somehow, when it was now showing it, the resized, but the black letters are supposed to be in the red uh, spot so that you could see them. But uh, Paul says in Romans 2 that self-seeking is a sign of unbelief. 
He says, in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds eternal life to those who, are, who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking, putting yourself first, and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, what is the result? Indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew and also of the Greek. So, have we established from the Bible that this idea of putting yourself first is not a biblical truth? That is actually the opposite of a biblical truth. Have we also established that is uh, that not that uh, thinking of others better than yourself is of the essence of being a Christian? Okay, and and hammering this because it is vital that we keep our life, loves, and actions properly ordered with God first and others second. And this is not only wise, but also bring reward. Proverbs 11.25, and the NIV it does a, a better job in this translation. It says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. As whether, think of others first. That's the idea of drawing water from the well. Whoever draws water for the other first will also have water drawn from them. So general truth there. Now, it might feel overwhelming when we think about how hard it is to actually live this out. But think of it this way. When we dedicate our lives to serving God and others, we are actually recharged by doing that. Because God promises to give us grace to be able to do that. Any questions? Jonas? How would you distinguish the denial, a Christian denial of self, Yeah, so the, the, the Buddhist denies himself in order to gain some approval from the deities. The Christian denies himself because he's dead in Christ, and the life that now lives is Christ living in him. So the, the, the Christian denies himself because of what Christ did. The Buddhist denies himself in order to attain some reward from the deity, that if they do, don't do that, they're not going to attain nirvana, and so on. Does it make sense? Yeah. So that's a, that's a difference there. Any other questions? Because now I want to start meddling. No, so far it's been this, yes, Katie. Katie wants to push the meddling well, away. I think that can be truthful. I think that can be a true statement that they're feeling burned out. I wouldn't deny that. But it's actually, we're, I think we're going to answer some of that as we continue here. Okay? So this is important. There's something wrong with you if, and something wrong with me too, if there's no space for others in your life. There's something wrong with you if there's no space for others 
in your life. You may be too self-focused. Everything's about you. You may have too many things that are self-focused on your schedule. You're super busy with things about yourself. You may just have too many things in your schedule. And you need to rethink it so that you can include others in your schedule as well. You know, nowhere in the Bible says that our kids have to do every single sport known to men all the time, you know, eight days a week, you know, 350 whatever days a year uh, there as well. So we have to make sure that we have space in our lives for others, that we're investing in our lives into others as well. So um, that's, that's very important. And here's a kicker. There is actually a self-focused way of serving others. You may actually be putting yourself first in the way that you serve others. You do that when you are a people pleaser. You are not serving others because of them. You're serving others because of something that you might get from that. Some validation, some recognition, some affection, something that you value enough to pour yourself into, into them other than other than themselves. You are serving others because you, what, of what you want to get out of it. Does it make sense to you? And, and I, I was at uh, 15 or 17. I decided to pare down five characteristics of when you're, you may be actually serving yourself when you're serving others, if these things are true in the way that you're doing and when you hear them, I don't want you to stop serving people. Okay? I want you, if, if this is true of you, I want you just to repent. And then continue serving people, but now with the right motivation. You need to get that? <laughs> What's that? The Holy Spirit's calling. We'll see if it's Siri calling again. <laughs> Use... You, um, here's, so here's five characteristics of people pleasing that may help you judge your motives. You serve someone because you fear the displeasure of man more than the displeasure of God. And Katie, I think a lot of burnout comes from that, that we're too afraid of actually saying no to something here, right? Because we fear their displeasure more than we fear the displeasure of God because now we are neglecting something else that God calls us to do. Right? So that, that's, that's a sign that you're serving others for yourself. Another sign is that you serve someone because you desire their praise above the praise of God. It would be right to go do something else instead of that thing, but you so want them to praise you that you, you neglect the thing that God's calling you to do to go do that thing for that person. Thirdly, you are more... You're, you're, you're more interested in figuring out what pleases people than what you are in figuring out what pleases God. You're a student of people not to bless them, but because you want to really know how to please them so that they like you or they'll praise you or they'll hold you in high esteem or whatever, invite you to the Christmas party or whatever it is that you want to get out. Fourth, you are more interested in figuring out what... Oh, no, you serve certain people who have some desirable status, but not others. 
So when you're, you're a respecter of person in your service, that, that's yourself, you're serving yourself, not, not others. Does it make sense? I'll serve this person over here because there's some sort of status that my association with them you know, will make me feel good. But this person here, there's nothing I can get from them, so I'm not going to serve them, which is exactly the opposite of what our Lord said, right? Don't, don't invite somebody for dinner at your house that can invite you back. Invite somebody that has no means to do that. And there is a fifth there, but somehow got hit there in the bottom. You're serving yourself instead of serving others when you serve others in order to be seen. That is, if you, if you, if you, you're only going to do something that's public. Oh, I want to serve in church, and I mean by that I want to stand over here and speak in front of everybody. Or I want to do something that everybody will see. Oh, you know what? But there's this other area that we really need help with. Is this person, you no? Know, and then, but there's no visibility, and we say, ah, not. So that's really not service. That's not putting others first. It's actually serving yourself, putting yourself first there. So these are five of fifteen or seventeen ways that we can figure out if we're serving ourselves by serving others instead of truly putting others first. Any questions on on that? So, what's the conclusion? You don't need to put yourself first. You don't need to love yourself more. You already do that well enough. What we need is to keep the right order of things. Jesus, others, yourself, so that there's joy. Change the order, and you end up with yoge. And again, that's just gibberish. And it sounds like the little dinosaur in Mario Kart. <laughs> What's his name? Yoji? Yeah. All right. Any questions or comments? Katie, does it answer some of what you're... If it doesn't, then could you ask it again? No, it does. Yeah. Okay. Any other questions or comments before... Yes, Louis. Mm-hmm. Yes, as long as you don't think of that as somehow, you know, the power of Christ being like a shot caller that you can only do, and oh, that's the power of Christ, I'm going to, because the power of Christ is already in you, so it's more of my attitude of the mind, right, it's already there, so I, I can do it. Also, and that goes a little bit with Katie's answer too, question too, um, it is hard to serve others, it is tiring, and it's okay to be tired, so it's not the Bible does speak of it as being inconvenient, right? Dying is not super convenient. So uh, that, <laughs> denying yourself is not super convenient. So we shouldn't expect to not be tired. We should not expect not to be to feel some level of of burden uh, as well. Even even by doing it in the strength of of Christ. Does that make sense? Okay, anything else? Yes, Katie. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So the you got the first test. Is this a good thing? Right? That's the first thing. You can ever do something simple for the Lord. So that's a basic thing. Um, second, am I using this uh, resource for this thing that that I'm taking away from some other your first call to serve your family? Then your church, then you know, goes. Am I taking a? Am I regularly not? No. Every once in a while, it's okay to say, "Kids, tonight's chicken nuggets from McDonald's because I'm gonna go serve somebody and not cook dinner." Or, "Kids, we're gonna give our presents to somebody else." This okay to that. Uh, but you need to ask: Am I taking the resources you know, on a regular basis that I should be using to serve this group in order to do this thing? And if the answer is yes, then yes. So why why is this important to me to do that? You still may need to do it, but that helps you ask yourself why. Why am I doing that? Why am I taking from this group that I know I'm called to to serve in order to do for this group over here? The answer might still lead you to do it, but it will be a good good way to figure that out. There he is. So I think it is possible to do something with an entirely good motive. It is impossible to always do everything with entirely good motives. It's impossible to not sin in doing something. Okay, First Corinthians 10.13 tells us that, right? That, uh, that uh, whatever struggle we face is something that God can and will help us through if we avail ourselves from, from it. So we can obey him in particular instances, and we can obey him fully in particular instances. Now, uh, because of the leftovers of our sinful nature, still we have a new heart, we have a good heart, but there's still the leftovers of a sinful nature in other places. We struggle sometimes, and we may today we may do it with the right motives, and tomorrow we may do the same action, and we have mixed motives, and then we repent and go on, and so on. Does it make sense? But yes, it is possible to do something with the absolutely right motive. Yes, Jerry. I just reminded of a couple of verses in Colossians 3 mm-hmm. uh, when it's talking about the Christian life. Verse 17, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. Mm-hmm. And verse 25, or 23, And whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. And and not unto men. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that helps guard your attitude, uh, no matter what it is. Yeah, and in looking in context, he's talking to slaves. And if it's slaves who have a stinky life, right? I mean, uh, uh, the life of a slave was just terrible. 
And if they can do that, and they're commanded to do that, then that would even to be easier, as it were, for us to be able to do that. Because contrary to what a lot of people say, we are not an oppressed people. So that you all know. You know hopefully that's not awakening to you, who are not oppressed, who are very, very unoppressed, whatever the opposite of oppressed is. All right. Um, Joy, not yoj. It's kind of a takeaway home, <laughs> take home uh, today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you that you're good to us. We thank you that you have given us your spirit that works mightily in us to be able to die to ourselves, to deny ourselves, and to live for your glory. Help us to be people who love you and love others. Help us to be able to live selflessly. Uh, putting others before us. We're asking Jesus' name. Amen.